0: Café Rollist is your caffeinated tabletop RPG break. It started as our exclusive Patreon show. But following a survey with our supporters, I am happy now to share its most recent episode here with you. If you enjoyed this show, please consider checking out our archive of a 100 or so additional episodes. Which are still exclusive on Patreon. Welcome to Cafe Second Times is the Charm. I am joined today by uh, someone who was on Twitter and uh, asking, inviting people to engage with him online, and uh, I seized the oppor- opportunity to do so. Uh, Ian, could you introduce yourself to the viewers?
1: Hi, I'm Ian Watson. I'm the Community Manager for Onyx Path Publishing and the Content Lead for the Trinity Continuum
0: great uh, i've been uh, i've been checking on xpath and uh uh i got a copy of aberrant it's one of those games i had for a while but i still have to run it but uh it looks really really cool i got two ice breaking questions the first one is uh has your routine changed in any way under the the current uh COVID 19 uh lockdown
1: my work routine, not so much because uh, everyone from Onyx Path works at home. Uh, uh, Rich Thomas, the the founder, um, he lives in uh, Philly, uh, Philadelphia. And I have literally never seen his house. And I've been working for the company for eight years. So we're, we're all distributed everywhere. So in terms of working, things are the same. But in terms of you know, personal life things are a little bit different. I I don't go out as often. I you know try to make fewer but more frequent uh, more infrequent yes more infrequent uh, runs to the store than I usually do that sort of thing.
0: Great and well I assume in that case you have not picked up any new skills or hobbies uh, as part of uh, the lockdown.
1: Not really just more working.
0: Well, working is good. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure I could afford to work at the moment. I'm unemployed, but, uh, I got to take care of my son. Uh, that's, uh, that's quite a challenge in, in these times. Uh, so, uh, the big thing you're working on at Onyx at the moment, uh, is it Trinity? Is it the, the one you making the news? Yes. Uh,
1: Trinity Continue, uh, it's. Uh, the, it's sort of the new edition of the original, uh, Trinity, Aberrant, and Adventure games that came out in the, uh, the late 90s, early 2000s from White Wolf. The core rule book is, it's a, it's a brand new thing. Um, it's uh, a modern day action adventure setting. So if you wanted to do, uh, the Born Identity or leverage, or the A-Team, or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or that sort of thing. You could do that with the core rules here. And then that expands into other settings, which might be more familiar to the uh, returning players from the 90s, like Aeon, which is the 2120s uh, uh, space opera set- setting, or uh, Abert, which you mentioned, the, the superheroes game. And then we're doing Adventure, which is the 1930s pulp game, and uh, we recently announced we're doing a new one called Anima, which is uh, sort of uh, a combination of cyberpunk and lit RPG crammed together. So that should be fun.
0: Cool. It seems like cyberpunk is getting more popular again at the moment. I heard uh, a lot of mentions of it. Com- I guess it's related to the new video game coming out and, uh, and a few uh, movies or so recently. <laughs>
1: That could be. Um, I've had Anima sitting in my head for most of the last eight years, so we're finally getting to do it. So I don't know if it like it, it just coincidentally happens to be popular right now, but I've been wanting to do it for a long time.
0: So does that mean you have a writing role in Anima in addition to your uh, communication role at Onyxpath? Path? Uh,
1: no. Uh, what I do is um, as the content lead. My role is I sort of create the, the universe and I've got it all sort of laid out in my head of how it's supposed to flow from one game to the next and how it all comes together. And then uh, Eddie and I um, act as developers and get all the other writers to actually write the material.
0: I've got Rao uh, uh, from Portugal, who, who's a game designer himself, he's doing a, a superhero games called Heros Modernos, but he's very interested in um, Trinity Continuum uh, Anima, and his, ca- his question is, can you reveal more about it?
1: <laughs> uh, we just announced it, so at the moment there's not a lot I can cover, but I'll, I'll do a little bit. Um, when you uh when you think of cyberpunk a lot of people think of william gibson and he famously said in uh, at the beginning of one of his novels um the sky was the color of a television tuned to a dead channel and how you think of that sort of um defines almost two genres of cyberpunk now originally that was like the electric Dismal gray snowstorm of you know TV static, but these days when you turn a TV on to a dead channel, it's just bright blue. Uh, so, uh, what I call sort of, for lack of a better term, dark cyberpunk uh, would be more of the the gray snowstorm thing, like Blade Runner. Even when it's daytime, it's nighttime. Yeah, uh, where uh, the the sort of Light cyberpunk, I guess, uh, would be something more like, um, uh, Mirror's Edge or Remember Me or, um, uh, similar games and settings, uh, to that where, um, everything is bright and almost too clean. Where the, if there's a fascist government, they're just, they're trying to almost literally whitewash everything by, by making it perfect and
0: pristine so, so it's a pristine world it's not it's it's still uh, cyberpunk it's not uh, falling in the slightly parallel genre of uh, solar punk is it
1: uh, it's it's crossing a bit with that like the the boundaries are fuzzy um, it, it's not specifically one thing or another which we're pulling a lot of inspirations in for, from a lot of places.
0: Well, it's quite interesting cyberpunk. It's uh, well when you try to categorize something a bit like punk itself as a genre of music. It's quite difficult to to pinpoint the the boundaries are quite blurry. Um, mm-hmm. We we were I was seeing a, a list of cyberpunk m- movies recently, and I thought it was fascinating how in our head cyberpunk it's kind of precise, but when you look at movies which match that, there are not that many movies which are. Exactly that the salt on the side. I guess Blade Runner is kind is it a noir movie or is it Cyberpunk and then you got you got stuff like the Matrix, which is right. uh, I guess it, it's a bit like anima, the Matrix, because it's you don't really see the the trash and etc. Uh it
1: it is and it isn't. Uh, the Matrix itself looks kind of dingy and there's that sort of gr- green over sickly green overtone to everything. Um but it does have that element of having the real world and the virtual world that you go into which is uh, the other half of the equation that we're going into here a-, a lot of what's going on in the game is sort of split between the two worlds you have the real world uh, which is the cyberpunk aspect and then you have the virtual world which is the, the lit RPG aspect
0: so do you have the the classic uh let's what what do you play in Anima do you play the uh, you know the classic the muscle the the hacker the drone controller the the face or are things slightly different in terms of um, things that players can uh, can inter- can uh incarnate in in that world
1: We expect um that people will probably be playing whatever they like playing uh it there, there's not going to be a specific hacker class exactly uh like there is in a lot of similar cyberpunk fiction because everyone has access to glass which is the uh the the brain impa- implant technology that lets you enter the virtual world so anyone can be outside and anyone can be inside and you might even take different roles depending on where you are um like someone who's normally like a, a, a weak bookworm outside can become the tank when they, they go inside. Uh, so it should be really, really interesting. Um, I mentioned Anima. There's also things like Tron or uh, the, the hack sign anime. Uh, a, a lot of, I mean, everyone's familiar with that sort of thing where, you know, there's the virtual worlds that you go into and have adventures in there. So uh it's it's digging into a lot of that sort of fiction.
0: Cool. Uh, I'd like to run a, a campaign inspired for, by Sword Art Online, so that that might be the system uh, for me to to do so. I like the idea that everybody's connected because uh, the last cyberpunkish game uh, I played was Shadowrun, and we ended up with. Oh, and there goes the ra- the hacker. He's doing his thing, and you have to wait while the hacker is doing his thing in the virtual space. And then, oh no, the shaman is going into the astral plane, and you're waiting for <laughs> for the shaman to be done. And oh, everybody in the real world, okay, we can play together uh, again. So, if people can play, everyone can play in the, the in the same playground and share different playground, and the rules can be inverted in playgrounds. That sounds like a a, a vi- very dynamic uh, arrangement among players
1: yeah we didn't want to to make it feel like anyone had nothing to do at any given point uh so either you're all uh, i mean you can split up if you want to but um we we didn't want it to to feel like you had to split up so, so everyone's got something to do
0: so uh, you're you're the communication uh officer for 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 that game and, and others oh did you approach the 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 PR for this game in a specific way, in terms of the way you you go about it uh, on social media, or did you create specific content to to reach people uh, online?
1: Not yet. Um, ah, <laughs> Rich. Rich has his his plan for uh, how he wants to roll things out in terms of like how quickly we start talking about it and when we can talk about this and when we can talk about that. So I'm just
0: following orders <laughs> I thought this week it was quite interesting, it, it hurts me to mention it, because I think it's, it's all part of the plan, but uh, uh, as a professional in that field, what did you think of the I guess you can call it a campaign for uh, Miss Monopoly uh, I thought it was interesting, It's it's kind of a repeat of history that people tend to share what they love to hate rather than what what they just love and I too in terms of uh communication it was well it was interest I was wondering if the publicist for that thing was intentionally triggering people so the product would be shared absolutely everywhere, which which was the case. I mean I'm following even people who are not into tabletop like Lindsay Hellis, uh, she's a vlogger, she speaks about movies, uh everybody was sharing that game, uh, even though they were sharing it in a negative way. I don't know if you, you've seen that uh, ad. I, I have, but, um, one of the things,
1: uh, that is often missed is that Hasbro gave, I think, something like a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars to each of the girls featured in the ad. Yes, that's true, yeah. Uh, and, and that's usually not mentioned. Um, and I th- think other than that, it was just, like I, I don't think they intentionally meant to make it bad. I think it was just an ignorant slip-up because we keep on seeing this sort of stumbling where, hey, you like pens? Well, how about a pen for a woman that's pink? It's meant for your dainty little fingers and like it's just so stupid and they just keep on making the same mistakes.
0: Yeah, I was and- really wondering about that. I mean, I'm probably... Paranoid uh, already. I, I've read too many cyberpunk novels, uh, but uh, yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, you know, that that was a plan. That was a plan to get people outraged because that that's when they share stuff. And I would not have heard of that game without that. It's it's amazing to think that you. I mean, I work in in design, com, uh, design by committee, and I know how wrong can things go when you have a group of people, but. Still, so I was like, really? It's not made on purpose? That's, that's really weird. Especially with the, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's nice. And at the same time, it's fitting that they were handing out money to these girls for the mm. invention. It's kind of, it's a bit having it both ways. I find you would trade people and then you say, yeah, but, uh, see, I'm sincere because actually I'm supporting, uh, uh, younger entre- entrepreneur.
1: All right. I I think their hearts were in the right place, but I don't think the marketing team knew what to do necessarily with Ms. Monopoly. Um, just like the, I don't know if you've seen the, the millennial monopoly, um, where like the the tagline written on the box was something like, you can't afford a house anyway.
0: Yeah. And there was socialist monopoly also, which was, uh winning is for capitalists or something like that so those were intentionally uh well I guess it's supposed to be parodies but yeah <laughs> a bit more than parodies for a lot of people
1: yeah i i think the teams that come up with these
0: products and the teams that have to
1: market them they they don't really communicate very much so um the the marketing teams do the best they can but i mean when when you have a product like that what are you going to do
0: yeah, but that's the thing. That's a bit weird, you know. Uh, I guess. I mean, I don't know the people personally involved in that, but it, it reminds me of uh, businesses in my own industry for which you have people working. But unlike other businesses, maybe it's not as much a passion job as it would be working for another company. So, so like, and I wanted to work in in tabletop gaming, but I work for As Asbro at working on Monopoly which is yeah I guess I should be happy to, to be working in gaming but yeah it's kind of a a way ground to be sitting on I assume that the the passion might not be always there I mean I've seen that with video games also people working on certain video games which are okay you work in video game, but it's not the people actually involved are not that passionate about the project they, they, they're there because they they ended up there mm-hmm. So uh I'm I'm really I I pride myself to be the the least knowledgeable podcaster in the hobby. So uh and I actually made a TikTok recently about my oh much I ignored uh, about the the history of something like World of Darkness. Uh what's the the status of World of Darkness with Onyx Path? Do you do still publish games in that universe which are not Vampire: The Masquerade or, or does that work?
1: Yeah. um, uh, Paradox Interactive are the people who own the White Wolf IP, uh, but we license all of it from them. So we're producing material for Vampire 5th edition, which is the most recent edition. Uh, Everything else is still in the 20th anniversary edition, which is sort of the last one back. Uh, So we're still doing Werewolf. We're still doing Mage. We're still doing Wraith. We're still doing Changeling. We also license from them Exalted, and we're doing a lot of work there. And we've got the Chronicles of Darkness, which is Vampire: The Requiem, Werewolf: The Forsaken, Mage: The Awakening, and all of those game lines. So we're still doing everything. Um, uh, there, like, th- there's some stuff where um, where we're not, we haven't done anything for a little while because there's like two do- two dozen different game lines, and we can only put up so many things at a time um but we have plans for a lot of things and it just it's just a matter of slotting them into the schedule and getting books approved by paradox
0: yeah there's so much going on i mean sometimes i hear about some of them and i'm like wow i didn't even know about that specific one uh, i still have to play promethean the mummy i haven't even played uh hunter uh I've played uh, a bit of werewolf, a bit of vampire, uh, right. I still need to, to try it. it. I, I don't know if it's, uh, uh, early to discuss stuff like that, but is the plan to bring everything in the fold of V5 or do they, do they remain separate game en- entities in, in V20 or their current systems?
1: Uh, there is a, uh, werewolf fifth edition, which is, uh, currently in production. Um, Onyx Path. Well, we have we hope that we're going to be able to work on books for the edition. But um, just like Modiphius uh, have sort of been licensed to oversee V five as a game line, Hunter's Entertainment uh, have been licensed to oversee Werewolf Fifth Edition. So they're going to be doing the core rule book, and we would love to help them out and uh, make some supplements for Werewolf 5th Edition when the time comes. I don't know about any of the other game lines in the World of Darkness. I assume eventually they'll all get 5th Edition uh, compatible books, but for the moment we're just doing our thing. Um, We've got the Kickstarter running right now for uh, Technocracy Reloaded, which is for Mage's 20th anniversary edition, so we're, we're still doing books for Mage for 20th anniversary edition. For
0: now, we have a. There's a very well uh, not popular in terms of number, but uh, uh, at London RPG community, which is one of our clubs, uh, we got Dan Marriott running a little campaign of Mage, and it's uh, it's proven very uh, a big success with the the players. Uh, I'd I'd like to to join that table at some point. That uh, that would be cool. So it's it's a very wide. Catalog. So, how do you how do you manage uh, communicating about all of that? Not at once, but in sequence. So do we do we have a, a big timeline of plans? So we're moving on this one. So this is a bracket for Anima, and then we'll move on to the bracket for Promethean, and then so on so on. Or, or do you cope with so much? Yeah, such a large catalog of uh, content.
1: Well, we have a lot of freelancers. Um, we have. Um, if you've listened to the Onyx Pathcast, uh, you're probably familiar with our three in-house developers. There's uh, Eddie Webb, who oversees most of the um, sort of the non-White Wolf Onyx Path games. Then you have... Uh,
0: Oops, we lost you for a second. Hmm.
1: Each project has their own developer. Uh, so a given book will be developed by Megan Fitzgerald or Travis Legg. And so since we have a lot of freelancers that we hire, we have just two dozen books up in the air at any given point at various <laughs> stages of development. So we don't really block things out. It's just whatever's ready whenever.
0: Okay. So you, you leave, you leave time for things to come to fruition, uh, at their own pace, uh, I assume. Yeah. Cool. Have you been uh I remember what was it called uh I think it was called Swallows of the South uh back when there was a RPG Academy network it was a exalted podcast and you mentioned the Onyx podcast uh, are you keeping an eye on uh, uh what streams are taking place and podcasts are taking place uh, using your games uh,
1: uh i spend more of my time on twitch than uh with podcasts because um, just having just the audio I, I don't really absorb what's going on as easily but having something to look at even if i'm not immediately paying attention i i still get like a much better idea of what's happening so i usually hang out on on twitch and uh, you know chat with people who are playing one of our games uh, and your uh, favorites the devil's luck game yeah, the Devil's Luck Gaming crew—they uh, have a long-running uh, Scarland's show called *Pirates of Bloodwater*, and they've—they've uh, they've taken a, a brief hiatus from that, and they're doing one called *Fractured Territories*, which is *Werewolf the Forsaken*. And they—they they dress up. They—they they have like different set dressing, so they really go like the whole way. It's not just a bunch of people sitting around a table. They—they they actually like really get into it. It's fun to watch.
0: Oh wow, so that's something like uh LA by night and they, they all sit in the same room uh, together or uh,
1: they they do when they can. They haven't been doing that uh as much lately. Most of them live in one house, so they can um they can all sit together, but there's one of them who doesn't live with them, so they they call in and have a separate little window. Um,
0: but <laughs> it, it's fun. That's quite a hot share to imagine. Uh not only a, a whole bunch of uh tabletop RPG fans living together, but uh streamers with their own little studio. That's very cool. Uh hey, wanna... um, Yep. Sorry, go ahead. No no go ahead. Uh
1: for the Pirates of Bloodwater uh game, um they wanted because it's like a, a, a sea going game, they they wanted something cool like a map in the background, and we have a map of the setting. But uh, none of the stuff that we normally sell was big enough for them because they wanted something you know big to cover their entire wall. So uh, our art director actually sent them the file, and they had printed off a giant version of the map, which is behind them while they're streaming the whole time. Which <laughs> That's really nice to see.
0: That's really cool. I need to check them out. I was wondering, I was, yeah, uh, there was this, um, uh, I was wondering something uh, now and then regarding uh, how famous some role playing games are versus another, and uh, 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 I was wondering what you would think uh, about this idea. I was wondering to what point, to, to what extent something like Dungeons and Dragons was so famous because they had their their infamous moment with the satanic panic. And sometimes when I, I was seeing, uh, well, Vampire the Masquerade, which when I started was much more popular than Dungeons and Ra- Dragons, actually. It was the, the late 90s. It was before 3 and 3.5 came out. But sometimes I'm wondering should, would having an infamous moment of its own for something like Vampire the Masquerade would actually have helped a game like that make its way into the the popular culture and the knowledge of of people beyond the people who play uh, those games because I keep being frustrated by the fact that yeah people will post there there will be mainstream media posts saying Dungeons and Dragons is helping kids learn this and that and it's always it's like it's the name of the the hobby like we're doing Dungeons and Dragons Vampire the Masquerade Dungeons and Dragons Star Trek rather than tabletop roping so I don't know what's your view on that do you think uh bad publicity can be good publicity in the medium to long term?
1: Well, Vampire did sort of get its own version of that. Um, In uh, 1996, um, Rod Farrell killed what was it? Um, Naomi Ruth Queen and Richard Wendorf were found by their daughter beaten to death in their Eustace home. And uh, Rod Farrell uh, claimed he was part of a vampire cult because he and his friends played Vampire the Masquerade. Wow, I wasn't uh, aware of that. So uh, if you look at a lot of uh, World of Darkness books from the 90s, after that point, there's always a disclaimer in the front saying, hey, this is fiction. Don't do this in real life. And those disclaimers are specifically because of the Rod Feral murders. Wow. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Vampire had its its moment uh, of, of controversy. And um, it was not the best of attention, but they, they sort of weathered that as best they could. And eventually
0: people forgot about it and ignored it well it's good uh, in 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 that case uh, i assume uh any question in the chat room we got a few people in the chat room uh uh i was thinking of something else is there something you want you wish to talk about because you know it's a very free format uh, i created this this specific one a uh, spin-off show in order to uh, to have people to have conversations <laughs> with
1: it was. Did you um,
0: did you have interesting any other interesting conversations uh, following your tweet? Because again, uh, I contacted you because you you invited people to to reach out in this term, time of isolation. So have you encountered uh, anyone nice in the meantime? I, I
1: do have a few interviews lined up, but you're the first. So thank you. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I guess that tweet was a success. Uh, as for other projects I'm doing, um, I'm one of the co-developers on the upcoming Victorian Mage. So if you like the Mage, the Ascension setting, but you'd like
0: to take it to the Victorian era, we're doing that. Cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing I don't know. Uh, that, that's the thing which frustrates me with Vampire a bit. Of course, there's Dark Age, but the, the bit which mm-hmm. annoyed me compared to another game, uh, from the 90s Nephilim, uh, French mm. game there, there was a us version but uh, yeah it was way more popular in France was that uh, when I w- want to play a vampire i 'd like to play an old vampire because i 'm immortal and i'd like to engage with the the history but the the system tells me no you cannot because you you 'd be overpowered compar- compared to the others but i'm i'm a sucker for any setting in different times and ages uh, of history. So Mage uh, Victoria, so it's it's set in the UK then or is it uh, all around the world?
1: Uh, I mean obviously there is going to be some focus on the UK because it's the Victorian age and Queen Victoria um, but it, the, the wider focus is on Europe and then the rest of the world so th- there is coverage for a lot of stuff but um there, there's more sort of detail as you get closer to the uk
0: cool do, will you have uh i mean what is it going to look like is it, it going to be a book which is going to cover a number of lo- locations or do you going to have i don't know equivalents of uh chicago by night but I mean, I guess it would be Chicago by Gaslight or things like that, different supplements covering different areas of the world?
1: Uh, I don't know if we have plans for any supplements yet. That'll probably come out of the Kickstarter. Uh, but we do have like a, a section on here's what the world looks like, just little slices of here's what Eastern Europe looks like, here's what Africa looks like, just so people get a, a decent idea of what's going on in the rest of the world because one of our core themes is uh, colonialization. And I mean, that's, that's a big deal, especially in the Victorian period. And as they say that, you know, the sun never sleeps on the British empire because Britain and a lot of other uh, European countries just had all of these colonies going on and sort of over overriding the, the the native cultures of those areas, um, and that that creates a lot of conflict. And while all of that is going on, the old order of reason is turning itself into the technocratic union. So th- there's a lot of really interesting things happening in that time period that we can dig into.
0: It reminds me uh, uh, a book by uh, Neil is it Neil Stephenson? This name. Um, it's called The Diamond Age. And it's, it's a cyberpunk book, but in a future where people congregated, not by nations, but by sort of, uh, uh cultures sl- slash point of views. And one of the, the major, uh, conglomerates is one which is inspired by the Victorian age, but at the mm-hmm. age of nanotechs. But you have a lot of, uh, yeah, uh, uh, in- a lot of people who engage with high technology but they try to do it with a nostalgia for the Victorian age and a, a form of classism and so on but yeah it's definitely an interesting time for for major seeing the the relationship to science and technology becomes so much stronger in the daily life of people compared to to what was before mm-hmm have you played in the in that game or, or at the uh, already or what are you playing at the moment are you running playing at the moment nothing um, nothing I, I
1: yeah I don't get a lot of chance to play as, as much as I would like um, every now and then um, but with all the twitch streams that we have going on during the week I, I I keep on thinking of maybe joining one of them and then I get busy doing something else so I don't get the chance
0: well you need uh, a That's big, luck. you need to get yourself a big, strong NPC in one of those campaigns and just uh, make a cameo uh, now and then and wreck the the things for for the players.
1: That's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> I could probably do that. Just walk in once, mess things up, and then walk out again.
0: Yeah, you, you do your Chris Perkins. You you come, you play a character even for thirty minutes, and and then you go uh, and uh, things are things are all sorted uh it was is there what would that be if you if you had the time to run just one of those games uh, would that be Anima or something else what do you would you have already an idea for an adventure or a campaign you you wish you had time to run uh? i would love to be
1: able to run my game uh and any of the trinity continuing games uh because it took me about eight years to get this published uh, i Rich asked me to start working on it around the time Onyx Path was founded, which is 2012. So it took a long time to get these books done and out the door, and I am so happy that they're available to the public now. Uh, So I would love to be able to run one of them or play in one of them, that would be great. Um, But so far I haven't had the time, but we'll see. Hopefully
0: that changes. Yeah, it can be time demanding. Yeah. It's it's also an interesting experience to run something you you worked on. Uh, I'm I'm in the process of doing that at the moment. I'm creating my my very first own game. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a short story game, so I don't have any prep, and uh, the sessions can be are uh, usually less than an hour. So <laughs> I make my life my own life quite easy. Yeah,
1: yeah my uh, my brother uh, is. As a side gig, he, he's designing some uh, board games and card games. And it's easy for him to play because, you know, you just put the board out, you, you play 15 minutes, and then you're done. I I don't have that luxury. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see if that changes in the future.
0: Is that something you had in mind when designing your game? Because I, I see there's a tendency with a growing number of games to consider the fact that, well, for a lot of us, a, lot, a core... I mean, there's been some statistics recently showing that more and more younger players are are coming to the hobby, and that's great. But still, I find people are not as available to prep and play long sessions. Is that something you you took into consideration when uh, uh, designing your your game compared to to stuff which were designed uh, in the late 90s?
1: I don't think so. I mean, a lot of us, as we get older, we just have less time for this sort of thing. Uh, but on the other hand, it's almost easier to find a game than it's ever been before because you have the internet. So I don't think the number of games has been going down, like the games that people are are playing. Uh, I, I think it's actually been going up. Uh, uh, D&D 5th Edition is the most popular, like the biggest selling D&D ever. And there's a reason for that. Uh, not just because... D fifth edition is good, but because it's it's hitting the market at the right time, where a lot of people are able to play uh, that that maybe couldn't before because the technology wasn't in place for it. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't do any any designing, um, thinking that people were going to be consuming the medium in a different way necessarily. Uh, I just assumed if people want to play, they're going to find a way to play.
0: Cool. So you don't think that D&D 5th Edition, for instance, uh, they they sort of made themselves a bit more approachable and slightly simpler than uh, uh, 4th, maybe a bit and uh, especially 3.5 were?
1: Oh, I'm I'm not saying D&D 5th Edition isn't a good game. I'm just saying that its popularity isn't just because it's a good game. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um I never got the chance to play fourth edition. I, I did play some third edition and 3.5 and I like fifth edition better. Yeah. Um, I think it's time D and d got rid of a lot of its baggage, but I know there are a lot of old school players who you know they need to have their their six ability scores and they need to have their saving throws. Uh, I think D d could do better without them, but. Um, yeah, they, they, they still need to, to bring in a lot of that old crowd too.
0: Yeah, I wonder, yeah, I wonder how, how long fifths gonna last. Uh, I think they, they learned their lesson from three, 3.5, and then jumping to fourth that they should not be, yeah, the, sh- the time between editions should be as long as possible. So I assume they will gonna try to, to enjoy their fifth for a very long time. <laughs> But I hope so. I wonder what uh what and D sixth edition when when it would be happen and uh, what it would be like. I think it yeah, it would be quite quite weird. Uh, usually I try to encourage yeah, people to <laughs> if they want the DND five to be slightly different to maybe try a different game. <laughs> a lot of people are playing uh DND and a lot of people are playing only D, but uh, that's my own I mean, it's fine, but uh, I like D&D, but uh, sometimes I, I regret, again, the late 90s when the landscape was much more balanced, because uh, at least in my experience in France and Belgium, uh, Vampire the Masquerade dominated. The The question was not well, do you play Vampire the Masquerade? The question was do you play Chicago by night or do you play ba- Paris by night? Because everybody played Vampire, but even though it was still much more balanced between Vampire and RuneQuest and Star Wars D6 and a bit later Legend of the Five Rings than, than currently it is where you've got, I don't know, uh, 70 to 80% of the people playing Dungeons and Dragons and then the, the rest is, uh, of the pie chart is you need to zoom on it to see uh, who's playing, uh, V5, V20 uh, <laughs> and, and so on. Uh, so I, I find, I like, I like, Oh, yeah, I like people enjoying different things. I don't like when there's a huge player in the in the middle. Uh I do you do you sometimes come to to the UK to uh present your games? So I i do not think uh Onyx Path is usually represented at UK Games Expo, which is not happening this year, so but uh uh we do go
1: to UK Games Expo. Oh. Usually it's uh Usually it's just Matthew, but uh, I think uh, Matt McElroy are our, um, our managing developer editor, managing editor. I forget his title. Uh, I think he goes over there from time to time too, um, but we don't have a, like a big presence uh, like we do at at, uh, at some of the conventions over here, most, because most of us are over here, so it's just easier. Um, but yeah, Matthew Dawkins lives in the UK, so he oh. goes
0: to UK Games Expo when he can. Do, uh, um, I've interviewed quite a few people, uh, who are trying new format to, to work with the lockdown, so having online conventions. Is it something you, you've been aware of or looking into in any way?
1: Uh, yeah, our, our friends at Gehenna Gaming, um, ran virtual horror con a few weeks ago. And it was, it was a lot of fun and they did it with about two weeks prep. They, they came up with the idea, let's run a convention and then they ran a convention. And I don't know how they did it, but it, it, they pulled it off like really well. Uh, they had games running on, uh, mostly panels running on their Twitch channel and then their games would be running on YouTube. So you could sort of switch back and forth and, uh, look at whichever you preferred. And it was running almost 24 hours a day for about like three days. It was crazy. Uh, in our recent Monday meeting notes blog, um, Rich has uh, asked people like, Hey, we're maybe thinking of doing an online convention. What sort of thing would you like to see? So if, if people have anything that they'd want to see from, a virtual Onyx Path convention. Uh, head on over to the Onyx Path blog and, and leave your comments.
0: Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's really cool because it's the uh, it's the birth of a new format. So there's a lot of uh, invention going on. Actually, we, we had an episode with Chris Henley from Darker Days Radio who, who came to to talk about virtual Orocon, uh, to which I did not. I did not take part to virtual honor or, or, or because on that weekend, I think we had three different online conventions. When the, when the oh, lockdown wow. started, uh, people who are into conventions sort of kind of rushed and made amazing things in a, in a few weeks. So yeah, there was, there was one, I don't remember the name, uh, which was in Ohio. I mean, the, the people doing it were based in Ohio and I took part to one, uh, called CyberConf, which was, uh, a French one. But yeah, it's amazing what they did with Discord. They had a little chat room for each publisher or game designer so you could show up in a chat room like you would show up at a booth uh, at a convention and and ask, oh, so what is your game about? Oh, well, welcome to my booth. Uh, I'm going to tell you all about it. And then in the meantime, running a a Twitch stream continuously with panels and in between having what they call a free radio where you had just two hosts Improvising stuff and having come, like like you have on a, a FM or AM radio with people calling in, and you say, "So, uh, what do you think of the situation?" and so on. Uh, I'm very curious to see all these things will will have second editions, which are improved and so on. But uh, yeah, if if uh, yourself uh, Nixmath is organizing one, that that's very exciting too, to see a publisher move into uh, into the field. Uh.
1: As, I mean, every year uh, we we have like new books we want to announce or whatever, and we usually save those for conventions. And now that there are no more conventions, what are we going to do? Do we just post about it on our blog or do we want to make an event out of it? So let's try to do a convention and see what we can do there.
0: think it's a very good initiative we got a question from a podcaster the we got richard from the d20 future show who asking what makes a great vampire adventure and how do onyx path write publishable adventures
1: um for vampire specifically we haven't really done any adventures except um what's in chicago by night um and I think what makes a good vampire adventure, uh, is really digging into not just the, the history of the setting, but the themes of the game. You, you really want to, to reinforce those. Uh, so the, the big event that happens in Chicago by night is, uh, the La Sombra, uh, one of the, the vampire clans who are traditionally associated with the Sabbat. They're leaving the Sabbat and trying to join the Camarilla. And wow. that's a, that's a big deal. Um, and yes, the Camarilla, I'm sure would love to have a powerful clan like the La Sombra, but also they've been enemies for 500 years. So
0: <laughs> I how kind of every, going... everybody not being happy about that.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. How are they going to, to like, what concessions are they going to ask of the La Sombra if they want to join? Uh, how are the La Sombra going to react to that? Are they going to say, no, that's too much. We don't want to anymore. Or are they going to say, no, it's worth it to join? Uh, and any sacrifice that we need to, to undergo is worth it to, to join up with the Camarilla. So there, there's that, that interesting, um, sort of negotiation space on what exactly the Camarilla is going to ask of the La Sombra and what the La Sombra are going to do about
0: it. I can imagine it could create at least, uh, to some extent, a, a schism among the La Sombra, and some of them saying, well, uh, we're going to do our own thing and going to become uh, anti-La Sombra. I don't know if those were were a thing, and uh, we'll be the La Sombra, will remain with uh, the Sabbat. It, it actually rem- uh, Yep, go ahead. The,
1: the book says about while all of the clan leadership is trying to join the Camarilla, uh, among the clan as a whole, about 50% are going with the Camarilla and 50% probably staying with the Sabat. So there is a a lot of that negotiation of who's better for us.
0: (laughs) It reminds me, uh, we mentioned uh, Darker Days Radio and Virtual Law. It reminds me of a question I asked him at the time. Uh, So there are, there are real life events which don't really need even big ones which don't really need to to make their way in the the fantasy realm of the games we play but uh, the one we see right now is such massive scale on a global scale and uh, and uh so do you what do you think it's going to be like for the the world of uh, world of darkness to witness those events uh and, Have you ever had uh, any, heard any discussion about, okay, what, what do we do with this? Do we just overlook it completely or is there something happening and uh, not, not necessarily meaning the, the, the the reason for the event would come from, you know, fantasy or, but, uh, yeah. What is it like to be a vampire? I cannot hunt anymore. Nobody's outside, or at least not enough people.
1: I'm not sure how we're going to treat it because it is a big event and I don't think we can just ignore it. But on the same token, um, back in 2001, uh, New York City by night came out and um, it had been in production for a long time. But just because of the way everything worked out, it came out just after the September 11th attacks. So, uh, Justin Achille, the vampire developer at the time, put in a sidebar saying, like, this was a terrible thing that happened, and humans did it. Please don't turn it into a vampire plot because that doesn't respect, you know, the actual people who lost their lives. So, I don't, like, if if we cover it in one of the game books, um, I don't think we, we want to go in the direction of, you know, this is a infection invented by Pentex or vampires or
0: whatever. That's unsensitive, Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: that, that's, that's disrespectful. And we don't want to do that. Uh, we do have, uh, for Chronicles of Darkness, we have, uh, the Contagion Chronicle going on right now. And while the Contagion Chronicle is not about COVID-19, um, it's another thing that was just in production at the right or wrong time, depending on how you want to look at it. So, um, I'm sure you could probably use a lot of the material in there as inspiration for running a game in the middle of a a pandemic. Um, but yeah, it, it remains to be seen if we put it in the books and if so,
0: how we're going to put it into books? we're too close to the event uh, at the same time it's you know we we, we, we right. don't know what it's going to be like when we resume uh quotation air quotes normal life so so i, I imagine it's difficult to to en- uh, engage with it in world building
1: right it's not something i don't think we'd want to do now uh but like we'd want to wait you know a year or two just to see sort of how things change what happens to the world um, in in a world where where the pandemic has happened, not while a pandemic is happening? Uh, so yeah, it, it might take some time before we make that kind of decision, but it's it's not one we're going to make lightly, certainly.
0: Great, uh, it's gonna be about time for me to wake up my son from his nap. So meaning we're drawing to to okay. a close. Uh, is there one last thing you you wish to discuss or plug? Uh, the technocracy reloaded Kickstarter is currently running
1: um, we we hit 100 percent funding within the first 45 minutes so from here on out, it's it's all thank you uh, we're at about I don't know 400 percent funding now so from here uh, for the next two three weeks it's it's all going to be stretchable material so mm-hmm. if you like mage and you like the technocracy please check out our Kickstarter
0: yeah, I recommend everyone does that. Uh, I need to play more mage. Uh, but yeah, time, availabilities. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Ian. Uh, where can people find you? And uh, yeah, that is that is a goodbye. buy.
1: Uh, on Twitter, I'm at VonAether, which is under my name right now, V-O-N-A-E-T-H-E-R. And on Facebook, I can be found at IANAAWatson.creative Watson dot creative uh, as as my pages name and I don't update it as often as I do Twitter but every now and then I throw something out there that I'm playing around with
0: amazing thank you so much for joining and uh, I wish you the best with your next interviews and for your mage Kickstarter I'm sure it's gonna be a, a great success and uh, yeah thank you. cheers bye everyone thank you Our logo is designed by Roland Cunz. Our theme song is Playtime by Jazar, which you can download on the Free Music Archive. A video version of this episode is available on YouTube. Please consider subscribing to our channel there. Leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you would like more Café Reliste, you can also get access to our archive of 100 or so additional episodes via Patreon. If you want to be informed of everything released by the rollist we have a monthly newsletter for you to join. And if you want to contribute via the chat room to one of our recordings, subscribe to our Twitch channel and social media accounts to be informed of when streams are happening. Finally, links to everything I just mentioned can be found in the description of this episode thanks for listening to us and remember you are the realist.